Smith will keep it. He dies for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And welcome to a Football Friday, the ultimate Football Friday, as I like to say, because we've got the AFC and NFC Championship games coming your way on Sunday, so we get to preview that nonstop sports talk to the 4 o'clock hour, of course, streaming live wherever you may be, the T.C. Martin Show, glad to have you with us, T.C. here at the Westgate, the world-famous Superbook, the largest sports book in the world, and of course, our Friday home each and every Friday, and sometimes a little bit more, depending on what's going on, but no better place to watch games in the enjoyment and the beautiful luxury of the Westgate Las Vegas, the world-famous Superbook. Marco D'Angelo in the house with me today, our handicapper extraordinaire, also spends a little time with wagertalk.com. I've got no problem giving wagertalk some love and the guys <laughs> over there, but yes, yeah. Marco D'Angelo, one of our handicapper extraordinaires, Scott Spritzer as well, too. So we try to give them equal billing. And uh, these guys are going head-to-head in our season-long best bets that we do each and every Friday, as you know. And then there's Trevor Maddich. Uh, All you guys are hitting like right around 65%, Marco. So kudos for a, a fantastic season. And knowing all three of you guys, none of you guys are the least bit competitive. No, not at all. But one thing's for sure, you got a good view of us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, okay, I will say this. I'll say, for, for the first time, all right, I'm, I'm not looking down at you. Okay? I was looking down at you guys, you know, because I was on top there. But you guys had a good year. Do you need to do that? I, I sit here. This is what I'm talking about. I give you the props. I'm such the team guy here. I mean, prop, 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 prop. The moment you open your mic, what do you do? You want to give me a shot? I'm here for the humor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay because you know you you've taken your bullets, especially when Jay Schrader's here. And yeah, you've had to uh, you know get us uh, some food bets. Uh, you know, cash in on that stuff. But uh, no, no, seriously. Uh, and this has been really the case uh, every year since we've been doing the best bets, going back the last five six years. Uh, that uh, you know. For the majority, the majority of our handicappers are have done very, very well. And you know, sometimes when you do these things, you know, you put yourself out there. You know, you've got some low percentages, and that really, you know, hasn't been the case. But except if you're Gilby the intern. But then again, he is an intern, so there you go. And I know he's out there listening today as well too. But uh, all good. But uh, yeah, and uh, you'll be glad to know that um, uh, two weeks from today, as we do our Super Bowl show. Your uh, your partner Scott Sprites will be joining us. Oh, sweet! As well. So it'll be good. Yeah. So and uh, we do uh, that on you know the 
Sunday, or rather the Friday before Super Bowl Sunday. As we know, we got the dead week next week. And I'm not really a big fan of the off week, you know, because you've got all the mojo going each and every week, and then it just kind of loses its luster. And if you look at Super Bowls, when you know, we've had the, the bye week, as I like to say, we do have slow starts. We usually got some very low-scoring first quarters and even first halves. But uh, I don't know. Are you a fan of, of the bye week before the Super Bowl? The bye week, let's let's be honest what it's about. I call it, it the it, dead week, the it, hype it's, week. It's to get everybody's travel plans together so everyone can get to the Super Bowl. Who wants to you know pay the uh, you know third market pricing for tickets and everything else? And you know it's good, but here at the Westgate, I you know I I know things have changed since we've had the apps and that. But I'll tell you one of the things we always look forward to that Thursday night before. The off the off week, this was the place to be. Like it, uh, six o'clock, seven o'clock, whenever they did it, they had the unveiling of the props, and uh, you know all the guys that you know, you, you know we all know who everybody is in town and respect everybody, and they would be down here lining up. You could only bet you know two props at a time. You know they had limits on it, but you wanted to first crack at those numbers, and then you got your two, went to the back of the line, and started it all over again. And it, it's fun, and that's I'm sure that's something you can ask Jay or John mm-hmm. yeah. about it. You know, this was the place to be. No question. Well, it's still the place to be. It's the world's largest uh, sports book, non-smoking sports book, and no better place uh, to watch and wager on the games here at the Superbook uh, at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right, so today uh, Mike Pritchard is going to join us. Uh, love having Pritch uh, around the uh, former wide receiver, the Las Vegas native uh, himself, does a fantastic job on uh, VEASAN as well as uh, Raider Nation Radio. And of course, uh, Pritch and I, longtime colleagues uh, for, for many, many years uh, as well. So when we get him on the show, really uh, appreciate that. So Mike Pritchard will be joining us here today. We'll talk to him specifically regarding the Patrick Mahomes injury. Uh, I love talking to players like we talked to Steve Berline uh, yesterday. And you were safe, Marco. He Berline did not bash you yesterday. So I know you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're sweating a little bit. But, you know, we were talking to Steve. Uh, and then, you know, Trevor as well, too, Trevor Maddich, about the nature of that high ankle sprain. And it's great to get that perspective from uh, players because anyone who played in the league as long as these guys did, you know, Trevor for 12 years and Berline for 16 years, uh, you know, especially a quarterback like Steve Berline, he's had the high ankle sprain. And he could tell you what you can do and what you can't do. And if you missed the show yesterday, go back to and, and hear the interview. Uh, with Steve Berline, uh, very telling regarding what he thinks Patrick Mahomes will be able to do, but more importantly, what he won't be able to do, mm-hmm. which is plant off that back foot since it is a right high ankle sprain. Yeah, well, you you saw it last week when he came back in, and I was really surprised they brought him back in. And I I get it, you know, if you don't advance, you know, the season's over, obviously, but you run the risk of doing more damage uh, when he come back in after you went in in halftime, and you know. Things tighten up, you know, the swelling, whatever. Uh, you go back out there now, you know, obviously, you know, the old saying is, you know, shoot me up, send me back out, coach. But uh, you can do damage. And, and I know from, you know, my days in horse racing, so, you know, soft tissue stuff was always, always more severe than actually breaking, you know, a bone. Because you know what you had, you know what the recovery time was, and you knew you weren't going to hurt it. But you never know with the uh, soft tissue stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting interview. And I will go back to the uh, website and listen to that interview. All right. Appreciate that. All right. So it is a championship Sunday. 
NFC and AFC Conference Championship games. Three teams with 15 victories. Uh, that's uh, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Kansas City. And then there's the Cincinnati Bengals at 14-4. and four. Just fascinating matchups. And you can really make a case for all four teams going to the Super Bowl. Hence, I believe that's why we have the future odds here, and Jay Cornegay, the vice president of sportsbook operations here at the Superbook and at the Westgate, he'll be joining us a little bit later on this hour. So uh, some some great stuff always uh, with Jay. But Marco, how tough are these two games to handicap? I have when we get to it today on the best bets. I have two def- definitive sides, but. As you said, I can make a case. If you said, okay, let's, we're the debate team. All right, you got Kansas City. You know, I got Cincinnati. I can give a, a debate either side you want to give me. Uh, the San Francisco-Philadelphia game, there's so many sidebars to that game. I think that's the intriguing game because, obviously, we've got this Philadelphia team that started the season out, first seven, eight games. I mean, they were absolutely unbeatable. But they also had the highest... Um, net turnover margin in the NFL going into that Monday night game. And, you know, I remember that Monday night game against Washington because I said, this can't can't continue. And Washington was a, a decent defense, flying a little bit under the radar. I just thought it was too many points. I didn't think Washington was going to go in there and win that game outright on Monday night, but they did. But you saw then the regression to the mean. Philadelphia started to have some turnovers. They weren't getting all the bounces of the ball. And then no team, you know, I won't say no team. Very seldom do you have a team go through the entire football season unscathed with injuries. Philadelphia had their problem. And then you got to throw out those couple games that Jalen Hurts didn't play. The team just, you know, wasn't the same team. There's no question. Not that Garden Minshew's not decent backup, but he's not built for what they were doing with that offense, the way Jalen Hurts ran the offense, ran the football, and so forth. San Francisco? What about Brock Purdy? We all keep saying, when is the other shoe going to fall? You know, and we might be still be talking about this in the Super Bowl. Yes. You know? Yeah. Oh, why? We got a rookie in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. What other rookie went to the Super Bowl? None. There's never been a, a rookie starter, I believe. There has not been a rookie starter that started a Super what Bowl. What year did Dan Marino go? Um, Was that his second year? It wasn't his first year. Okay, um, I know he got there. He got there very early in his career and never yeah, got back. Yeah, I, and we can double check that. Yeah, but I, okay. I believe that is the, the stat or the, the what I've been hearing, and I think okay. that's accurate. But um, we'll see with that. Here's the thing with Philly. Okay, Philly, despite being the number one seed, having the, having the best record. Again, I've got some some flaws still that I see with Philly, and you mentioned one of the things I was going to hit on a little bit later in the show regarding best bets is that they got two bad losses. Mm-hmm. Okay, You could say three bad losses. The one was to, to the Cowboys where they gave the game away. But as far as just not showing up and playing well, two bad losses against Washington, which you mentioned, because mm-hmm. they really weren't in that game. And the same thing with the Saints. And both of those losses were at home, which also transitions for me that of all four teams – they have the least home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Philly just has never had a great home field advantage. And I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking about in, in, in years past as well, too. Now, you always hear about the Philly fans. They're rabid. They're fanatic. They're great. Well, yeah, w- when we talk about Philadelphia fans, whether it's the Phillies or the, um, the Eagles or the Sixers or the Flyers, okay, we talk about w- when it's going good, it's going good. But when they're struggling or even if they're 500, 
those fans are brutal against them. So you can say they're somewhat fair weather, wear their emotions on their sleeve, and they don't like what they're seeing. You know, that's what you get. But it just doesn't scream, you know, uh, whatever they're calling the stadium now because it changes all the time. You know, <laughs> the link or whatever it is, yeah. it, it's not a, a true home field advantage. Arrowhead Stadium, that's a home field advantage. Arrowhead Stadium and Seattle are probably the two loudest outdoor venues in the NFL. And then I would say Green Bay would yep. have to come in there next. Especially since they expanded and they add another 10,000-plus uh, seats at Lambeau Field as well, too. There, there's no question the, the way those uh, stadiums are built and those rabid fan bases. So, you know, for me, and you hit the nail on the head, too, Marco, regarding the, the turnovers. Philly was getting all those turnovers, and in, in the second half of the season, they weren't. But of all four teams that are entering this, you know, these, this championship Sunday, the Eagles are the team that are, are the least hot. And they're not hot at all. I mean, they had themselves a, a nice victory against the Giants, but again, it was the Giants. It's, you know, the Eagles have beaten six teams with winning records, okay? And th- three of those wins were against one team and the Giants. And here's the other thing, all right? All of those other teams except the Dallas Cowboys – all right, so we're talking what uh, you know uh, the other the other four four of the five, they were nine and eight, so they barely even qualify as being a winning team. So I still got some issues. I love Jalen Hurts, always liked him at Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, always root for Jalen Hurts. I think he's fantastic, but you know for me, I still think that the Eagles are susceptible. And you talk to a lot of people, and they think that it's a foregone conclusion that. You know, San Francisco's going to go travel cross-country 3,000 miles. They're not going to get the job done. Purdy is going to fall apart, and it's going to be fly, eagle, fly. I say not so fast, my friend. Yeah, and please don't bring up the, oh, they're coming from the West Coast to the East Coast, <laughs> right. okay? That's one of those urban myths that does <laughs> that is not true. And don't forget, this game isn't at 1 o'clock Eastern time that normally an NFL game would be for a team coming to the West Coast. It's at 3 o'clock, so they're basically only playing an hour off their body clock that they would have anyway. So uh, that is absolutely no factor. Of the four teams left, if you said which team is the best offensive team, which team is the best defensive team, obviously the best defensive team left of the four is the 49ers. That's without question. The best offensive team... There's a debate there, okay? Kansas City, if Mahomes is healthy, okay, this offense is very efficient. Cincinnati with you know, with all the offensive linemen, although it didn't bother them last week, but when Joe Burrow has time to throw, nobody's been stopping them. And then Philadelphia, when Jalen Hurts was 100% during the middle of the season, they were putting up a lot, a lot of points as well. Again, Philadelphia had the softest softest schedule, and when we talked about the game last week, why we both like Philadelphia so much, the first thing we said is they're not the Giants are not facing the Minnesota defense this week. Well, I'm going to repeat that. Philadelphia is not facing the Giants defense this week. Correct. It's a major step up. Yeah in what you're going to be facing. So all that stuff that came so easily last week for Philadelphia, and when you start a game out 14 nothing at home with your first two possessions, it's, it's like you're playing the whole game running downhill and the other team's playing it running uphill. Yeah. And it changed the game plan for the Giants. And let's face it, 
I'm not. I don't think you're that big of a fan either. I'm not a fan of Daniel Jones. And for him then to have to become the guy, the guy to win a game with his arm, you know, that's not what the Giants are built for. And the game unraveled in a hurry. So back to what we were talking about with the rookie quarterbacks. Uh, like I said, no rookie quarterback has won the Super Bowl. In NFL history, actually, no rookie quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl. In fact, no rookie quarterback has ever made it to the Super Bowl. So rookie quarterbacks have made it to the AFC and NFC Championship games, but uh, have not gone on to the Super Bowl. And these include Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Flacco, Mark Sanchez. Uh, those guys were NFL rookie quarterbacks. Uh, you know, they actually have a a lowly winning percentage of only uh, 355 in playoff games. But where I think people kind of get confused is, you know, two players have won the Super Bowl in their first year as starters, but they weren't rookies, and that was Kurt Warner and Tom Brady. So that, uh, you know, that's kind of maybe the the distinction there. And I think, you know, again, first year, that sort of thing. But I'm not going to put anything past Brock Purdy right now because, like you, I've said it, Time and time again, I love the 49ers. The 49ers are, are built to win offense, defense. They have everything. They are the complete package. They really have no weaknesses whatsoever. And if you want to try to point to a weakness, okay, it's the quarterback position, and you that is valid when Trey Lance is back there. And that's why we saw last year and this year when he's in there, he's a disaster. But the Niners are hanging on to him. But thank goodness for the Niners that uh, they had a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, and now that they – drafted a guy like Brock Purdy, but you really can't even give the Niners you know, credit for drafting Brock Purdy because he was the last pick of the entire draft in the seventh round. So, uh, But where I give Brock Purdy the credit is he's coming here, not tried to do too much. He is the ultimate game manager, and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's all Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers want him to do is not turn the ball over, get the ball to Christian McCaffrey, be able to get the ball to George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel, and he has done that without turnover. If he turns the ball over, and I said it last week, I'll say it again this week, that's the only way that the 49ers are going to lose, in my opinion. And they can lose. But if they lose, it's going to be because they don't take care of the football, which they usually do a fantastic job of taking care of the football, and Brock Purdy turns it over. That's the only way they lose. What benefits Brock Purdy is all those names that you just rattled off are all playmakers around him. And Kyle Shanahan has developed an offense that attacks you in so many different ways. And a lot of times the running game in unorthodox styles. You know, you've got jet sweeps. You've got wide receivers, you know, running reverses. You've got Christian McCaffrey that is a beast in the backfield. He can catch the ball coming out of the backfield, and you can send them in motion and put them in a slot and create matchup headaches for linebackers. There's so many different ways that they can attack you, and that's what's helped Brock Purdy. What's going to be interesting is how far this fairy tale goes for Brock. And let's say they go all the way to the Super Bowl, win or lose. Um, the 49ers got some decisions to make in the offseason. What do they do? <laughs> what do you do? Yeah. You've got you pay you got all that money in, in Trey Lance, you know, coming off the you know, it's the rookie quarterback uh contract. You know that you can't keep you can't pay three guys. Okay. So Jimmy G's gonna be the odd man out. Yeah. He is, and and Trey Lance should be uh, the odd man out as well, too. And again, a- after a while, you just have to just bite the bullet. 
and say, and the Niners have never said this, okay, we blew that pick. <laughs> Just say it. You blew the pick, plain and simple. And if it's going to cost you some money, it's going to cost you some money. But unlike Major League Baseball and the NBA, once you cut a guy, you're going to be off the hook, okay, for a, a good portion of that. Okay, he got a big upfront signing bonus when he, when he signed but just cut your ties and just don't have that guy on your property come spring next year because even if Brock Purdy implodes tomorrow you got to look at his entire body of work what he did so far this year and again I think you you have to make him the quarterback or you know bring Garoppolo back at, at a reduced price and, and those are your two guys you could do that because Garoppolo is 31 years old he's still got another three or four good years maybe even maybe even longer in this league but unfortunately the guy has been hampered by injuries but you know when he's played for the 49ers he's actually done pretty well I mean you go back to last year's uh, NFC Championship game where they were leading a majority of the game and then made a couple mistakes against the Rams that's what's kind of gotten Garoppolo in the past so I'm not so quick to to jettison him as much as I want to jettison Trey Lance. I agree with you. I would rather have a veteran as a backup, but you got two problems. You got the price and you got does that veteran want to be a backup? Okay. Now, or Marco, it. you could just go open competition. Mm-hmm. Come, you know, come uh, you know into into training camp next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brock Purdy is still a, you know, a, a young guy, okay? And you probably wouldn't get any argument from Brock Purdy that he's going to back up Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like I said, the moment that Garoppolo falters, boom, you've got your guy right there. Or, hey, you know, we see it a lot in college, not so much in the pros, but, you know, you could do a two-quarterback system too. But I think, you know, Garoppolo, he, he sees the writing on the wall. He's been already ousted in San Francisco a couple different times. Mm-hmm. So it is an interesting predicament, but a pretty good one to have if you're San Francisco. Yeah. The economics of the NFL today with the contracts, and we talked about this before, is why teams push the quarterbacks into the spotlight quicker than, you know, remember when we grew up watching football, you never saw a rookie quarterback Hmm. until year two or three at the earliest, okay? Now you can't do that because you have that first contract, which is generally a little bit of a sweeter deal, um, you know, friendlier to the the team but then when that contract's over and they're kicking in that big contract they want the big money you got to know what you have and one of the reasons that the Cincinnati Bengals yeah they had to become bad to get the draft picks to get Jamar Chase to get Joe Burrow but they got those guys right now playing at the same time under that rookie contract okay gives you money to put other pieces around them. Now it'll be interesting when both of those guys come off the rookie contract and they both need the big paydays, then then you got to start moving stuff around and that's when your GMs earn their money. All right, we're talking about the games really hard to decipher, tough to handicap. We talked uh, you know last week about the lines and all this week about the, the tightest lines we've ever seen for two championship games here um, for AFC and NFC championship game. And, you know, we saw the Cincinnati Kansas city game, you know, hover around pick and it's now Kansas city one open Kansas city three, you know, the Mahomes injury, what happened last week, earlier on the week, this thing even ballooned up to the Cincinnati Bengals favored by two and a half and even three for a little while. So we're seeing a lot of, jockeying with that line. The other line pretty much has stayed pretty much the same. The Eagles actually opened one and a half, got bit up to two and a half. Now we're starting to see some threes out there where the Eagles are three. So the 
two tightest games that we've seen for a championship Sunday, which is beautiful. We've also seen some fluctuation in the totals, Marco. As we sit right now with San Francisco and Philadelphia, it's 46 and a half. Cincinnati and Kansas City is now up to 48, and we've seen these numbers climb up during the course of the week. All right, handicapping these totals, especially considering that we've seen a lot of high-scoring football this year. However, last week we saw the under go 4-0, and in what three or four of those games it wasn't even close. It was, it was, it was dead unders. How are you handicapping the totals in both these games? The first game, the San Francisco-Philadelphia game, I handicap totals the way I handicap the game. It's going to be a correlation to who I like. Obviously, if I like San Francisco, I'm liking the under, okay? Because for San Francisco to win, we're expecting a defensive game. We're not expecting Brock Purdy to get into a shootout with Jalen Hurts. If it's a high-scoring game, I think San Francisco is going to be on the wrong side of the scoreboard. So... I'm leaning under in the first game, which tells you where I'm leaning on the side. The second game is troublesome from the fact because we still don't know how effective Mahomes is going to be. Is Andy Reid going to alter his game plan because of limitations that Mahomes has? That's a question mark. If he's healthy... I know last week's game went under, but you had a lot of things working there. You had the offensive line, which we talked at nauseum last week about with Cincinnati, and they changed their game plan some. Well, their game plan worked well, maybe not because they executed it well. It's because I don't know what game plan Buffalo was running on defense. What game plan? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Buffalo, for playing in Buffalo... And I've been told it snows there a lot. They looked like a team that had never played a game in the snow before. They were playing four and five yards off the line of scrimmage. Okay? One, and they're coming with a a four-man rush on a team that has three offensive linemen out. That in itself starts. You want to show them different looks, okay, because it's blocking schemes. The guys are, are playing with guys they haven't played all year with. There are some guys are playing out of position, and you want them to be confused at the line of scrimmage. Who's calling out the blocking assignments? Did you see any of that last week? No, what I saw is exactly what you said, is that you know Cincinnati was getting down the field four or five yards before they were even touched. Not not broken tackles of the line of scrimmage and Joe Mixon you know, going free. No, before they were even touched. And that was just a disturbing fact. And if you go back and look at Buffalo, especially in recent games, we saw a lot of that. So those of us that handicap Buffalo, shame on us uh, for that. Again, we put way too much emphasis, like you said, into the Bengals you know, missing the three offensive line starters. And we thought that would be a big deal. But Buffalo just did not show up. And the bottom line is the Cincinnati Bengals did. They were more aggressive. They were more physical. They took it to them. Uh, Burrow was, was on time. He was, was spot on with his receivers. Uh, it was just a masterful, clinical offensive performance by Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And they ran the ball down Buffalo's throat, which they probably were not expecting. So that was a whitewash. But, Marco, I go back to this again. It's hard for me to get out of my mind the week before that, what Cincinnati did against Baltimore, where they were life and death to win that game, and it was just a a slow, ugly, low-scoring football game. And if it wasn't for, you know, 
Tyler Huntley, you know, fumbling that ball and going the other way, the Bengals probably lose that football game. So we've seen that from the Bengals. Last week they played a perfect game, and much like we talked about the Eagles' perfect opponent was the Giants, I kind of believe that the Buffalo Bills were the perfect opponent for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I do not believe that the Bengals are going to be able to run rough shot against the Kansas City Chiefs because the Chiefs, one of their strengths is their run defense. It is, but you can go over the top on the Kansas City defense. And if Joe Burrow has time to do that, they are going to score points. Uh, I think you're going to see more points in the second game uh, than the first game. I think that Joe Burrow and if Patrick Mahomes is 80%, they're going to score points. And you look at the three meetings. Everybody's talked about that. Joe Burrow's perfect 3-0 and against Kansas City. One of the games was late in the season last year. Then the playoff game, and I put the asterisk on the playoff game, the AFC Championship game, because we saw that this year, too. Remember the crazy finish between Minnesota and Buffalo? Okay. Well, then I'm going against Minnesota the following week. Okay. is A lot of Sharps did that week, and we did. When you win a game the way they won that game, you know, just unbelievable fashion, it's hard to come back that next week. And I think last year, the players won't admit it, but like the media, and I was one of them that said it too, the AFC Championship game was the week before. Sure. Okay. Buffalo, Kansas City, we all said it's a shame that this has to be the divisional round game, not the you know, the championship game. And I think they bought into that mentality and uh, they just felt they had to show up and they were going to win because Cincinnati was kind of lucky to win the game that they won the week before in dramatic fashion for KC. Everybody was going, I didn't buy into it. I had Cincinnati last year. The game this year in Cincinnati when the game was in the, the heart of the season and it meant something to both, both teams, um, it was a coin flip game. You know, I had Cincinnati in that one, and I can tell you, I sweated the entire game. There was no point in that game that I felt, I'm comfortable, this is an easy win. No, they went back and forth, and all three meetings have been come down to three points, and they've scored points. 27-24 twice, 34-31. So, do I want an under in this game? No. But the question mark is, if Patrick Mahomes, what if he takes a shot, you know, he gets rolled up slightly at all? You know, and then he has to come out. Chad Henney's a capable backup. And the one thing that I saw from the game last week is backed up at his own end zone. Andy Reid did not go conservative. And nope. that's not Andy Reid's style. He had caught, whether that was him sending a message to his, t- to the entire team or to just Chad Henney that I believe in you. Mm-hmm. They, they engineered a 98-yard drive, and he was throwing while he was still in the shadows of his uh, end zone. I felt that he needed to do that. He felt he needed to do that because Jacksonville was, was moving the ball pretty well against Kansas City. Because you look at the stats of that game, they were they're pretty darn even. And the only difference was the turnovers by the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. But we've seen the, bang, uh, the Chiefs involved in a lot of close games this year. And back to what you said the last two times, you know, th- they faced each other. It came down to the final score, 27-24 for the Bengals. Uh, this game in Cincinnati this year and then the AFC Championship game last year in Kansas City. Kansas City turned the ball over on their last possession of both of those games. They were ready to score and win the game, especially, you know, last year going, with their chance going to the Super Bowl. And then, you, you know, once they, they got the coin flip and they turned it over, boom, Burrow took, took them down the field for the field goal, and that was, that was the game right there. But 
the thing about it is, you go back to that championship game last year, and Kansas City took their foot off the gas. They jumped out to a, a 21-3 to lead, mm-hmm. and they were just rolling, do whatever they wanted to do. So these two teams, they match up very well with each other. You're going to get points. It's going to be a close, close game. I don't see it being a blowout either way unless – you know, it's a turnover fest here, but uh, it, it's interesting. And like I said, both of these games uh, should be drama-filled, and you can make a case for all four teams, whether it's San Francisco, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Kansas City. And we're sitting here next week, you know, talking about the Super Bowl. It's not going to be any surprise. You brought up the Baltimore playoff game with Cincinnati. The other game that I want to bring up is Cincinnati went to Tampa Bay, and yeah. they were down 17 in that game. Now, they rallied back. That was the game that Brady, would he have three or four uh, interceptions in that game? And, you know, they self-destructed. But there's been games that they have had trouble this year. So it's not like, you know, everybody's jumping on a Cincinnati bandwagon. They've had their moments. But the one thing in their defense, throw out the first month of the season. Because that was preseason for Joe Burrow. Remember, he missed all of preseason because of, you know, the appendix. Bengals have won 10 in a row. Niners have won 12 in a row. It's going to be great. All right, we'll continue handicapping uh, the games coming up on Sunday. Like I said, Mike Pritchard, the wide receiver, he is going to join us next hour. We have our best bet segment. Trevor Match, of course, will be joining us as he does uh, each and every Friday. With that, giving you our best bets. That's coming up uh, later on towards the end of the show. And then Jay Cornegay, the vice president of the Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas will be joining us. We'll talk to him about the crazy line movement that we've seen, especially in this uh, Cincinnati Bengals-Kansas City Chiefs game. So we talk about that and a whole lot more coming your way. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo live at the Westgate Las Vegas here at the world-famous Superbook on a fantastic football championship Friday. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me beg. T.C. Martin. Because you are a character doesn't mean that you have character. The Doctor is now in. Oh, yes. You know, every guest seems to have a theme song now. (laughs) And look at this. I mean, Jay Cornegay just waltzes up here to the booth, and he's got this little strut going. I'm reminding myself there a little bit there. And there it is. It's Boogie Nights. It's Heat Wave. It's a a favorite (laughs) of our vice president here at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Jake Hornigay! <laughs> Look at him shake it up, ladies and gentlemen. Round of applause for those moves. Oh, yeah. I didn't know they did that in Colorado. <laughs> this brings back really good memories of last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> last weekend, huh? How's it going, my friend? All good. All good. You know, uh, looking forward to these uh, games. Uh, interesting betting, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but uh, interesting betting. Uh, um, Bets coming in, interesting line movement. I've never seen a game move like this in a in a championship game. Uh, you know what we've seen with the uh, Chiefs and Bengals. Um, it's been all over the place. Uh, very, very interesting, but s- certainly stirring up a lot of handle. Let's go back to last Sunday when Patrick Mahomes gets the injury in the game against Jacksonville. They end up winning, and I know you guys want to put up a line as quickly as you can to generate as much action as you can. And uh, how tough was it to make that opening line, knowing that, okay, he's injured, we're not sure the severity of the injury, and we really didn't even know the severity of the injury until like Monday or Tuesday morning. Yeah, it was, okay, so we had to wait for the 
Bengals Bills winner, right? Mm-hmm. And so we watched that game in the snow. Fun game to watch. Um, Bengals very impressive, or the Bills looked really <laughs> poor. I mean, I, I don't know what the Bills were doing. It just really, um, you know, yeah. or the Bengals looked really good. I, I'm not sure which, but I think it was probably, probably a little, bo- yeah, yeah, a little bit yeah. of both. But I just didn't understand. Listen, I had Mixon on my team all year. Yeah. They never ran the ball Where like that. Where was that, right? I, yeah. I know. It was like, oh, now they run the ball. Um, so our thought was, okay, you're going to bring this sore spot up with me. But when we posted this opening line for the AFC championship game, I'll admit it wasn't our best work. Okay? It was, we, we thought that, uh, we thought a little bit more support on Kansas City was going to come in. So we opened three. Chiefs three. All right. It wasn't long after that that we just kind of felt like it was the wrong line. But it was there for a little while. We did see some of the market come in a little lower than us. So we jumped and went down to one. Chiefs one, Knowing that we made a mistake. We didn't actually take any money at plus three. Hmm. Which was very odd. Hmm. But it came I was down kicking to myself. I, yeah, I didn't yeah, get that. Yeah, it was up there, and it was open. And then we went right down to pick. And from pick that Sunday night, you know, obviously we've just seen it snowball on Kansas City or the Bengals side. Cincinnati money was just coming in left and right. It pushed it to what two and a half on Tuesday. Now it was only two and a half for maybe a few hours. And then some very sharp money started coming in on Kansas City at that point. And still, it continues uh, all the way until, I believe, Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday morning when we moved to Kansas City 1. So it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Uh, I definitely see some sharps playing both sides. Yeah. But even a little bit more so on Kansas City at this point. But I do see some of the sharps, guys that we really respect, Split on this game, they they were on the Bengals early. Kansas City later. To make Jay feel better, though, we should let him know. You might know the exact percentage here, Marco. That the the spread coming into to play here, or even a field goal or less either side. I believe it's like less than five percent that it happens in this round. In this round, yeah, you yeah. pick. You pick does that make you feel better? There it is. <laughs> Jinx, is that what you're calling? Yeah. I got to ask you though, Jay. Whenever you have a number that's hanging around that one and a half, mm-hmm. we know that the advantage players with the teasers mm-hmm. are going to take the six point teaser and get it over seven. Which, if you were sharp and did your your homework this week, you could end up with. A Cincinnati plus seven and a half and a Kansas City plus seven and a half. Mm -hmm. I know the worst outcome would be landing in the middle there. Yes. And and, uh, we get that. We were trying to think, when's the last time we saw the two championship games less than a field goal? Never. It's been, I I can't remember. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sure if there has been one. And, and, you know, I'm sure it was maybe a long time ago, but... You know, you usually have one team that's around six or seven, maybe eight, some, you know, something like that. And we're always concerned about those teasers mm-hmm. teasing right through coming down because that always comes into play where, um, you know, we have to address that. We have to book, you know, to those type of teasers. And you're right, Marco. They're going to do the opposite this time. They're going to be probably taken 
the bang or excuse me the uh, they'll take the Bengals. They'll probably take the Chiefs too at this point. But mostly the Bengals right now get it over seven, and of course the 49ers and get that through those key numbers. So the the teasers will come into play this weekend, but not as much as they have when we have a seven or eight point favorite. When you have two games like this, where you can make a case for for all four teams in the in the, the tight line, you just imagine that you're getting good two-way action here. Talk a little bit about the handle. Now, we're only down, down, we only have two games. Unlike where we've been, where last week we had four games, and now we're down to two games. And, of course, the Super Bowl does a tremendous handle. We understand that. It's its, it's, its own beast, especially for the casual betters and this and that. But where does this weekend, especially with these two games, mm-hmm. approach handle-wise? I know it won't touch a Super Bowl, but just talk a little bit about the difference between maybe what we're going to see this weekend compared to Super Bowl or just a regular NFL Sunday. Yeah. Well, you know, our biggest weekends are, it does vary. If you just want to talk about handle, obviously Super Bowl is the king. But if you want to talk about tickets, tickets written, the numbers that we punch out, mobile and retail, you know, March Madness is right up there. Uh, But right after that would be the very first weekend of the NFL season. And then this weekend, mm. it's right there. I mean, with these two games, and you know the futures do kick in AFC Championship, NFC Championship. Uh, yeah, the two games, and especially with these teams that are, you know, pretty popular mm-hmm. yeah. and have had some success over the years. Um, you know, they have their own set of fans as well. Uh, we're going to get a ticket count and handle. Uh, it's it's a really good balance for these uh, championship games, and I think, you know, looking at these teams, and I think the these are these organizations themselves are their front offices of these teams here are so good that you know we could be seeing these teams you know for a while here, but um, I would expect it to be right up there. It's definitely in the top four. It might be in the top three. So we talk about Kansas City in in Cincinnati. The Niners and the Eagles, we've seen basically a lot of money, most of the money coming in on Philly, correct? Because open one and a half, up to two and a half, and I know that there are even a couple threes around town. I don't know where you guys are at with that game right now, but are you seeing good two-way action? Talk a little bit about the betting, what we've seen so far, uh, especially as we get closer to kickoff, and where do you think this line is going to end up between San Francisco and Philly? Yeah, we're definitely seeing a little bit more uh, Philly money, a lot more tickets on Philly at this point in time. I have seen, we haven't gone to three. We've been holding at two and a half. Uh, I have seen threes pop up in, around town, but they haven't lasted very long. You know, I, I know that uh, one I saw earlier was probably didn't even last 10 minutes. Wow. So um, I can see it being pushed th- up there, but I, I know San Francisco is going to get their support as well. They've uh, they've had um, you know a, a tremendous run. They've been a fan favorite over I don't know I mean how many games have they won in a row? Ten, twelve, but, and Cincinnati's 12. won ten, and and San Francisco's won twelve in oh, a row. There you go. It's yeah. yeah, it's a it's an incredible run. I know they're very popular. So a lot of general public tickets will be on San Francisco, but I don't expect that until the weekend. Um, but when it's all said and done. I'm pretty sure we're going to need San Francisco, but by not not by a lot, because they're very very balanced, two very popular teams, well respected teams. But as of right now, majority of the bets that we're seeing on this game, majority of the money that we're seeing on this game, 
is on Philadelphia, and that's why you start seeing these pushes towards three. As far as the totals in both of these games go, we've seen an uptick in over-betting like we, we normally see. Uh, weather not going to be a factor in Philadelphia. It's going to be like 52 degrees. Kansas City doesn't look like you're going to have any snow or really major wind, but it's going to be in the 20s. Talk a little bit about the the, the line movement and, and betting the overs here. What, what are you seeing with this? We saw some uh, sharp money come in very early on both overs. Okay. And um, I think at Kansas City was over at 46, uh, and that moved up to 47, I believe. I'm, I've been away for a couple hours here, but um, I think we're that, seeing some uh, uh, 48s around town as well, I, I, too. I yeah, seeing, so yeah. it's still pushing. Yeah. But the early sharp money came in at 46, and the other game, same thing, 46, 46 and a half. Right. Some sharp money came on the over. So looked like the sharps were on there early. Okay, uh, and. You know, here, here we are sitting at 47, 48. So uh, that makes sense to me. Um, and, of course, you know, what saved us last weekend are those two big favorites winning, Kansas City winning, Philadelphia winning on Saturday. One of the things that saved us on Saturday that turned out to be a, a winning day, and I know Kansas City didn't cover, but both games going under mm-hmm. really Kind of saved our butts. Yeah, four and zero in the unders last week. So After you five and one exactly. So here we go. I mean, we've seen such high scoring games through the course of the year. Now you get you know four in a row last week. That okay. So now you figure okay, could could this uh, could this be an under? Especially with the Niners and, and Eagles. I know you talked about that, Marco, but they did play last year. It was early on in the season. You know, it was a nineteen or seventeen to eleven game. So I mean, it, it was under, and we have two very good defenses in that game as well too. The pro- yeah, absolutely. The problem for betters in why they'll be waiting, I think you'll get more over money come Sunday when they know Mahomes is going to be on the field. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all week that's that's a big question mark. Not only do you got to worry about weather in Kansas City, but you got the factor with Mahomes and are they going to alter the game plan. But the three games that they've played that everybody talks about with Burrow beating Mahomes, they've all been 51 or higher. Right. So 48. You're sitting at 48 right now, so yeah, yeah. It, that's pretty much across town right now. Yeah, that's that probably moved up earlier today, and, and I just didn't see it. But um, you know, I, I I think this line movement is going to really, and it has been actually reflecting what we've seen of Mahomes. You know, oh look at him jog. <laughs> well, the guy was jogging like I jog. You know, I, I was like, okay, what? You know, that didn't really tell me too much. At least he wasn't limping. Right. I, I thought, you know, he was very tentative uh, at times when you know, and everybody's trying to dissect. You know, you know, it's it's his right ankle, right? Right ankle. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's his plant foot. Yeah, he, that is plant he, foot. He is not going to be able to to plant on this thing. And again, like when we had Steve Burline on yesterday, he was talking specifically. He's going. It's going to be dink and dunk. There's no way he's going to be able to go down and forget about the the pocket. Forget about rolling out because in the second half he didn't have one rollout mm-hmm. outside of the pocket in that game, and it's going to be virtually impossible for him. And I think that Andy Reid is going to adjust that game plan yep. accordingly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. That's yeah. what I've been saying. I think Reed has a whole week to plan for this. I think they uh, have a lot of weapons for the short passing game. Yep. All those guys, I mean, they, they're really quick, and I think Reed is going to keep him right there, not move him around hardly at all, but uh, a short dink and donk type of passing game. You know, you know. of course, if they could run the ball, if 
if they can. Um, you know, that uh, helps out quite a bit. But I really respect Reed. And with a week to you know, work mm-hmm. on this, you know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, works in Chief's, the Chiefs' favor. Mm-hmm. But the Bengals, gosh, I keep underestimating them. <laughs> I, know. I know. I do. I, I, I don't know what it is. but You I and just, I both. Furrow yeah. is just, man, he's just he's so, he's he so good. Yeah. Yeah. They, they just... But they just keep winning games. But probably like me, Mark and I just talked about this in the last segment, you probably got that stuck in your head, that Baltimore-Cincinnati game from two weeks ago. I still have that stuck in my head. It's like they were so lucky to win. It just, again, it was an ugly game. It was a slow game, and, and the offense wasn't there for either team. And, you know, the Bengals do play some games like that. So, uh, again, but on the flip side, like you said, 27-24, yeah, 27-24, uh, 34-31. And a turnover the three at times. the end of, the, of each yeah. game. Yeah. Marco, what? Yeah. tell me, what? I mean, both of you guys, what happened in that Bengals-Bills game? What happened to the Bills defense? Not that they have a great, fantastic team, but I've never, Cincinnati was running at eight yards a clip. Before they were even I touched. I know. I didn't get yeah. that. Yeah. What? You know, they made that. It made the offensive game plan for Cincinnati very easy. You know, I mean, they're running seven, eight yards a clip. You know, and he's he's able to pass. I know. I mean, was I? I just didn't get that. I, I didn't see that coming. I thought it was going to be a very tight, tight game. Um, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me. You know, totally that Cincinnati won. I was. I was just amazed by the way that they were able to run the ball at Buffalo. What, what? Totally dominate them. And, uh, but like we said in the first segment, I don't know what the defensive coordinators thought of when they came up with the game plan that they did. You got three offensive linemen. They rushed four guys the, the whole game. You you got to show them different things. Confuse yeah. the offensive line with the blocking. Joe Burrow had a clean jersey. <laughs> he never he never got yeah. tackled. No. Uh, you, you can't do that. And I don't know if they, you know, the secondary, if, you know, if the receivers were having problems with, you know, the shoes they were wearing, you, you no. change your shoes. If, well, if, again, if, that's if, your home field. But yeah. it, it just seemed like, again, they were playing passive. Okay. They were so scared of Burrow and those receivers that they were – uh, five, six yards off the line of scrimmage. There were huge gaps in the zone, and they were just playing tentative and like they didn't want to lose their footing. Mm-hmm. To me, what I saw was just a, a tentative defense. You know, it was like, okay, let's do a bend that don't break. Well, well, he broke them. I mean, he broke them with, with mix them up, uh, up the middle, and then he, he broke them with wide open wide receivers and tight ends. No, just, and I kept saying gingerly. They just look like they're gingerly, yeah. playing gingerly, and that's what I saw. It was like the first time they've yeah. ever seen snow. Yeah, right. It was really weird. Yeah. It's just such an odd game. So, you know, you take that Baltimore-Cincinnati game, and, you know, that sticks in our heads quite a bit. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, my gosh, they were so lucky. There was no way they were going to make a field goal in that second half. They couldn't move the ball at all. And then they go to Buffalo, and it's a snowstorm. Get it? Yeah. But then they just do whatever they want to do up there. Just goes to show you that every week – it's a different story, and, 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 and yeah, it's true. And everyone has okay, you know, we, they bet what they I saw the the week before, and you can't really do that. So it, let's not forget too. We talked about it when I was on your show Monday. Cincinnati bulletin board material, the fifty thousand seats that were already sold for the AFC Championship game in Atlanta. Uh, I mean, that's that's a huge slap yeah. in the face. Yeah, there's a lot of bulletin board material. Yeah, real quick, Jay. Um, with the with the future book odds to win the Super Bowl right now, 
Have you ever seen anything like this where basically one to four? I mean, there is no clear cut favorite, right? Nope. Nope. Two to one, three to one. What, who's, no. I mean, it's crazy. I can't remember seeing it. Yeah. That's what I'm talking. Just, you know, it kind of reflects the spreads that we're looking yeah. at. And I just don't recall, you know, a, a championship Sunday with spreads at, you know, less, less than three. I I just don't I remember maybe a couple of three three and a half or something like that but yeah. not one one and a half and two two and a half nope yeah. haven't seen it but that's what those odds are reflecting right now as far as us we're we're looking pretty good I mean we we could probably use the Eagles because our head odds maker is from Philadelphia we always look good on Philadelphia teams I hope right. he's listening <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we look good on uh, Kansas City and uh, we take a little small loss on um, San Francisco but uh, I was looking at the odds that we we offered the highest odds that we offered on any of these teams Kansas City the highest they were 12 to one we took a three thousand dollar bet on them uh, that was uh, all the way to week one. Uh, San Francisco was 25 to one, um, all the way back to uh, let's see end of September. Um, I know Philadelphia, we had 50 to one, but that only lasted for the first couple of months that we like. I think, well, the first few months I said through April, that yeah. was the last time we were at yeah. at uh, 51. And uh, you know, I said Cincinnati. Cincinnati was 40 to one, but you got to remember they started the season 0 and 2, and that's when we had them at 40 to one. Wow, outstanding stuff! All right, we're looking forward to two great games coming up on Sunday: the AFC and the NFC Championship game. Jay Cornegay, the vice president of the Superbook here at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right, we brought you in with, with Boogie Nights, and we're going out with your slow song right now. It's a heat wave day for Jay Cornegay. You like this? Absolutely. There, there it is. Look at that. So Jay's just going to, like, slow dance his way down the steps. I don't know. It's like be, be careful, Jay. There's some people giving you kind of the eye right now. You know, you got a problem with me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We appreciate you, my man. We'll look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Jake, what a game. There it is. Hit those high notes, baby. (laughs) We come back. Mike Pritchard in the house here. He's going to join us, and we handicap more AFC-NFC Championship games on Sunday. The T.C. Martin Show live from the world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas.